Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Well, good morning, my people from up under the steeple. How are we doing this morning? You guys sounded like what you did last night was go to bed at 9 o'clock and get 12 hours of fitful rest. Is that about what happened? I love that for you. Hey, you know what's really crazy is that um, a couple years ago, um, me and my wife had a baby. Um, and when that happens, one of the things that you have to do is you have to figure out like how you're going to feed this baby, right? Which sounds like a stupid thing to have to figure out, but you do. And we, we, we did that. And then like when we learned about what we were going to feed him, we realized that our diet was trash. And so like we started trying to fix that. And then you learn all this stuff about self-care and stuff like that. But man, it is just so much fun <laughs> to stay up super late with your friends, isn't it? There's something good about that. It's not good to do it all the time. And yes, you're supposed to get your eight hours of rest and all that, whatever. But like, man, there's just something about staying up till two o'clock in the morning with your dudes telling fart jokes. And it's just, it's, it's good for the soul. Um, it's, it's, it's a part of our sanctification experience. Um, and I don't know what you ladies talk about. So whatever. So cool. Um, so this, this weekend, this weekend, we, we went on a journey with, with the mindset of we want to come alive. Well, coming alive, what does that look like? What did life start as? So we discussed, we discussed creation. We have been fearfully and wonderfully made. You, sitting in your seat, are a masterpiece of the creator. Masterpieces have inherent value. As you leave this weekend, I hope that you remember that it is important for you to look in the mirror and see a chosen child of the Most High God, a wonderful creation that was handcrafted. As you were being knit together in your mother's womb, the Lord was working and making you who you were. I want this one to just really be obsessed with Legos. I want this one to to have hair that is unable to be combed. I want, I want, I want this one, you know, that this one's gonna have a bit of a journey with acne, but it is gonna make them better. I want this one to 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 I you know, like I, I want this one to 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 be to not like loud noises. I want this one to love loud noises. God did that for you. He did that for us. And then now that we know how we started life, we have to figure out how we got to this depressed state. It was because of sin. I've said it a thousand times, I feel like from stage, depending on where I'm speaking, sin ruined everything. Our relationship with God was ruined. Our relationship with each other was ruined. Do you know what happens right after Genesis chapter 3? Genesis chapter 4. A brother kills his brother. Brutal. Sin ruined the world. Like sin ruined creation. If you look around it, 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 it and, and like, look, I, I'm not, um, let me say it this way. 
I got to speak to a leader here at RVR, and, and I asked her what her plans were after she, you know, moved on from being at camp, and, and she said that there's something to me that has stuck out for a really long time. She said, oh, I'm going to pursue a career in creation care. Like, what, what, do, you, what do you mean? Like, she, she's going to go work in the environment. She's going to try to make the environment better, and I know that that's not everyone's cup of tea because God made us all different, but... There has to be a recognition from us as Christians that when the weather is super bizarre in a way that's not normal or when we go and try to enjoy fishing um, by the river, there was a river that ran through the city that me and my wife lived in when we first got married and there were these giant signs that said, do not, for the love of all that is holy, eat the fish out of here, you will die. Like that's what the sign said. Well, that's, my, that's what I think it said. It just really said, like, by law of the city of Wilmington, if you don't, you know, whatever. You have to be able to see that and realize that something's wrong. How people interact with each other, something's wrong. The fact that someone thinks it is totally okay to do some of the things that we see people do to each other, something is wrong. So we're dead, which is super depressing, But God gave us hope. All the way in Genesis chapter 3, God promised that he would send a snake crusher to end sin. And he did, and that was Jesus. We've been given new life. While we once were a valley of dry bones, we have been lifted, redeemed, and restored. But not all of us. We still have to accept Christ. It is 100% our responsibility to respond to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. You know what's awesome? I was talking to your leaders and your, and your, and your, and your um, youth pastors, and I was like, I was chilling. I was getting a milkshake. My son is not able to have dairy, so when I'm able to have dairy without him looking at me longingly, I take that opportunity, okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm in line to get a milkshake, and I was, I was so excited. And one of your pastors came up, and he was like, dude, someone just accepted Christ. I lost my mind. Have you heard me screaming? And the oxbow, it's because like someone accepted Christ. So I was, I, it was awesome. Someone came, someone arrived here dead last night and is leaving alive. That's awesome. So that begs the question, now what? What do we do now? Some of you have been encouraged this weekend because you've got a whole bunch of Jesus time your soul has been yearning for, but you've been so busy you've been unable to get what it is that you need. So you're leaving encouraged. You have this spiritual high because you've been spending all this time with your brothers and sisters in Christ, and you've been spending so much time in the Word of God. So what are we to do now? So what's really interesting is is that there is a story in God's word that helps us get there. I want you to, in your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 28. Um, So Matthew is the first uh, book of the four gospels. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we're going to be in Matthew. When you get to Matthew, I want you to flip towards the end of the book and look for a big 28, little 18, chapter 28, verse 18. That's where we're going to be this morning um, as we kind of navigate this. So the thing is, is that you've all received or heard good news this weekend. And that good news is, is that despite our trespasses and sin, despite the hopeless view that a lot of people have about humanity and the world, we know that our hope doesn't lie in anything else other than Jesus. And we know that Jesus has done a great work in us. That's good news. 
And what we see here in this text is we're going to come to, to find out. We're going to see this, this, the, what to do with this good news. We're going to answer the question, now what? I'm a, I'm a pretty big baseball fan. I, I really enjoy baseball. And, and, and I enjoy baseball. And let, let me just say this. Do we have any baseball fans in the room? All right, so here's the deal. I love the concept of baseball. But man, when they changed the rules this last year, it made baseball so much more watchable. You've been able to just, you can like sit and just enjoy it. And it's not like you've committed your entire afternoon to a game of baseball, right? And I get to watch it with my son. And, and what I really enjoy about baseball in the summertime is, is that like no matter what day or night it is, there's probably a baseball game on. And you don't have to be super committed to it. With football, if you don't reserve Sunday afternoon, you just don't get to watch it. But with baseball, you throw it on. So at home, you know, we, we, whatever time it was, we'd be like, oh, yeah, the Phillies are playing. I'm a big Phillies fan, right? My, 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 my grandfather uh, had a hoagie shop in Media, Pennsylvania, and he actually has... Um, there are stories where like when the Phillies won the World Series and McGraw came into my grandfather's hoagie shop, signed the hat he wore the night before and handed it to my uncle. So like that's what we have in our family, right? And my uncle ruined the hat because he wore it to school every day and played baseball in it, right? So like, you know, that's why I had to pay for college. So anyway, <laughs> that happened. And so I like watch it with my son. It's kind of crazy because like he's, Four, so he doesn't really have any idea what's going on, and, and I was really bad at baseball, and, and baseball was a very elite sport where I grew up. You had to have a lot of money to be able to really play, so I didn't really get into it when I was younger, and, and, and so like I don't really know what's going on either, but like I enjoy it, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a student of the game, and, and we'll be sitting there, and we're watching, and, and if, 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 if four-year-olds don't really watch TV, it's just kind of on when they're in the room. So I'm trying to keep them engaged, and I'm like, so Tucker, and he'll look at me and go, yeah, Dad. I'm like, all right. So you got a man on first, you got a man on third, you got two outs, two strikes, one ball. Do you swing here? And he looks at me and he'll like consider it and he'll like, you know, dad, I don't think I'd swing here. And I'm like, all right, cool, well, let's watch and see what happens. And then like if the guy does what he predicted or whatever, he loses his mind. It's the weirdest thing we do. And I don't know if I'm helping him or hurting him when it comes to him actually wanting to play but that's what we're doing. And this year, the Phillies had this crazy run streak. Like, they, they were doing so good. And where I am, there are no baseball fans. Like, Chesapeake, Virginia is devoid of baseball fans, it feels like. Certainly Philadelphia fans. So we're getting ready. Like, you know, the, 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 the fall is very big in our ministry calendar. And we're getting ready for this big event we call Midnight Madness. So youth leaders, this is for you. This is free. Students, hang out for a second. You don't have to do a lock-in from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. This is, this is real. This is good for you. You ready? What we do at our church is go from 6 p.m. to midnight, and then I make everybody go home. And it's incredible. And students are like, oh, that's lame. You fall asleep at 1.30 anyway. You're going to be fine. So anyway, we're getting ready for this big event. And the Phillies were in the NLCS. And I'm like listening to Philadelphia Sports Radio, and I'm getting excited. And they're playing the Arizona Diamondbacks. And I thought we were going to crush the Arizona Diamondbacks. Boy, was I wrong. And, 
And, I'm, and we're getting ready for this game, and then, and then the Phillies are going to Arizona. And I'm like, man, like, that's crazy. I can't watch the game because I'm going to be at, the, at this event. And then um, one of the big stories in the, in the thing was that, was that Philadelphia, that these tickets were so expensive in Philadelphia. And so I looked, like I have this app called Game Time, and, and the tickets are like, they fluctuate price depending on demand. And I'm like, man, I wonder how much tickets are in Arizona. I'm just curious. Um, for this game, and I saw, and I could get two seats for $11, including fees. I'm like, hold on a second. $2? So I come, and like, I start texting my friends who are Philadelphia fans, and I'm like, guys, we need to go to Arizona now! Like, I can get a plane ticket for $200 round trip at Spirit, so you're sitting in a Sunday school seat from kids' ministry in an airplane, but like, we'll get there and we'll figure it out and we can go watch the Phillies for $11 on Philadelphia Sports Radio. People were calling in and they're like, I hate the Diamondbacks, I bought a whole row of tickets, let's make that stadium empty. It was crazy. And I'm sharing this good news. We can finally afford playoffs baseball. And what we see in this text that we're about to read, so if you can stand as we read this, we have been given this good news and we need to go out of our way to share it. This morning, we're gonna talk about what Jesus has asked us to do. We're gonna talk about how we can do what Jesus has asked us to do. And we are gonna talk about the fact that you, as a young person, as a student, are not devoid of this responsibility. You can do this. You can do this. Let's watch and see what the Lord has asked us to do in uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 through 20. It says this, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee. They went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Whoa. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You guys can be seated. Let's go before our God in prayer. God, I am so excited about your word this morning and what you're doing in this place. God, I pray that you would give us a fire in our hearts, just like in the end of Acts chapter 2, that we might go and proclaim your name to our slice of the world, and then that a, a, a firestorm of revival would come from it. God, I pray that you would change hearts, change lives. God, inspire us, move us, move in our hearts, and God, do not allow us to be content with what we left, but push us forward in our sanctification process that we could be more like you and do more of what you've called us to do. God, give us ears to hear. Give us soft hearts to listen. God, I pray you take every thought captive. Remove distraction from the room. God, we need you. In your name we pray, amen. Wow. So the first thing that I want to point out from the text this morning that I didn't notice until I started studying this, and I feel like I've studied this passage before, but this is like brand new. I was reading a commentary, and the guy who had said, I'm like, holy cow, that's super true. The first thing that we see here is that the disciples went to worship Jesus. The disciples went to worship Jesus. 
I want to give you a little context. Jesus has died already in this story. He has, he has been crucified. He has been resurrected. And after Jesus was resurrected, he went and appeared to the disciples in small groups or personally for, for, for a while. Like he was, he was bouncing around. And then, and then Jesus told all of the disciples, meet me in Galilee at this place. So they did the inconvenient thing, live there for a second. They did the inconvenient thing. They hopped into their Honda Accord. I guess not all you got that joke, but we'll get there. They went, they all were in one accord. Come on. All right, so they went, there we go. So they went to Galilee. They went to Galilee. The disciples, watch this, did not neglect public worship even though they met with their creator one-on-one. So here's my, my, my ask of you this morning. Go to church. Some of you will be so excited about this, you're gonna go to youth group for two Wednesdays in a row. Oh, I do that. And then, I got volleyball practice, man. Well, what time's volleyball practice over? Six? Well, it starts at 6.30. Yeah. I don't know. I got homework. How much homework you got? I got to read something. I don't really read. Guys, cut it out. Go to church. Worship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. As you plan your week... Grab a calendar and look at it. And then the first thing you put down is Sunday morning. And then the second thing you put down is Wednesday night or whenever your youth group meets. And then you add school and then you add sports. And then you go about your week. Wouldn't it be amazing if some of us had the courage to ask our coaches, would you mind if I dipped 10 minutes early so I can make it to church on time and then be okay with him saying, I might have to bench you because, oh my goodness, is sports important? You need to be active. You need to be with your friends. You need to be in circles of unbelievers. But what's happening is, is we're allowing them to dictate to us what's more important. The disciples had lives, yet they interrupted their lives to go worship. Imagine how much backwards that would have felt. They just traveled with Jesus for three years, and he basically said, come and meet with me so we can have a conversation. Some of them, I imagine, may have thought, like, well, why don't you come to us? You've been coming to us all week. But they went. Guys, go. Go. I'm not asking you to do anything crazy. I'm not saying quit sports and don't talk to people who aren't Christians and, and, and burn your CDs. Like, like, I'm not saying any of that. Just a simple act of going. Heck, let's start easy. You don't want to talk to your coach. I get it. That's terrifying. And, and some of you probably have some future in sports and you don't want to mess with your Scott. Like, I, I get it. All right, live with me here for a second. Start small. Show up to church a little late and smelling like a dirty sock. I tell our students all the time when they tell me that, like, 
For some reason, they put showers in our baptistry changing room area. Like, no one's taking a shower after getting baptized. They already feel clean, okay? I'm like, like, dude, like, I'll give you the key to the baptistry. Go take a shower if you feel like you smell like a wet sock. Like, we don't care. We're here for Jesus. We're not here to smell you. That'd be weird. I mean, guys, like, we, we started offering dinner. I charge our students $5, and, they, and, they, and then we, we have dinner because some of them, like, literally rush there. One, one like, so I, I had a girl come late, and, I'm, and she was like, where are the waffles? And I'm like, oh, we're, we're out. Like, you should have been here at 6.30 when dinner started. And she screamed at me, and her grandfather's my boss, so I can't really deal with it the way that I normally would have. <laughs> so she, like, like, I was at work, Tim. And I'm like, whoa, easy, killer. Like, let's get that girl waffles. She's hangry. Figure it out. Go to church. The second thing that we see in the text is, is that Jesus' work was completed. Jesus' kingdom was established. He had died and defeated the grave. Jesus called this meeting as the monarch of everything. One of my frustrations, frankly, with us not having um, a normal, it's not, frustration's a strong word, but we just don't get the whole kingship thing in this country because we come from a stock of people that did not like kingship, so fought and died to end it. And that's a whole separate conversation. But we just don't get it. We're just not around it. When I was growing up in Australia, I took this, uh, my, my teacher taught me what to do if I was ever approached by the, uh, by the Queen of England because I was under the monarch living in that country. Now, she wouldn't have never visited that country, so I had not to worry about forgetting what he taught me, and I did forget what he taught me, but it was a part of the conversation. It's not here, and that's fine, whatever, but we need to understand what it is that that means. Jesus is the king, the end all, the be all of everything, and what he is saying here in this text is I have been given all authority. He humbled himself at the cross and he was exalted by God to the king of everything. He wins. I was excited about the Philadelphia Phillies because they were winners. All of these Lions fans that have been in the woodwork for the past 30 years are coming out with the t-shirts <laughs> because they're winners now. Don't you dare go back into your context and be ashamed of the gospel because the gospel is a gospel of victory over the, over the death and the grave and sin. So when it comes up in school and you get to share the gospel, don't you dare be ashamed and afraid of what it is you're about to say because you, what you're going to say is victory. Christ and him crucified is victory. Jesus' work was completed. Jesus won, we have no reason for shame. Jesus is the winner. And as they traveled to Galilee for this meeting, they did not do so with sheepishness and with shame because Rome had crucified Jesus. They did it with victory because Rome tried to kill Jesus and failed. And then they get there. They get there and they have been told to go. They arrive, and, and if you look at the text, what does Jesus say? He says, go therefore. Whenever there's a therefore in scripture, you have to ask yourself the question, well, it's there because if you look back, it says, I've been given all authority. So Jesus doesn't just say like, you know, 
Hey guys, I'm Jesus, go. He says, I've been given the authority to tell you this, go. And go with the authority to make disciples of all nations. We have been told to go and we have a mission. You wanna know what's next? When you have received the sanctifying, redemptive power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit indwells you, you now have a new mission. You now have purpose. I, I, like Everyone's going to have different opinions on this, but I grew up in an era where I watched Justin Bieber become famous, and then I watched him hit puberty, and then his songs weren't as good anymore. And then, and then I watched him kind of make a whole bunch of bad life choices. And then nothing, we didn't hear anything from him, which was probably better. And then recently I, I saw a video, and everyone's going to have opinions on this. We are not the Holy Spirit. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I don't know what the Holy Spirit's doing in Justin Bieber's life, but he wrote a song, and the chorus of that song is, You Give Me Purpose. And a lot of people have speculated he's not actually talking about God. He's talking about a woman. I don't care. Jesus gives us purpose. Our purpose is to go. So here's our mission. I got it up on the screen for us. Step one, convert non-believers. I should have made that text bigger. Sorry about that. Step one, convert non-believers. If you look here, it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Making a disciple means converting people from not believing that Jesus is their only way to heaven to believing Jesus is their only way to heaven. And the way that we do that is we tell them the truth, and the truth is that they are dead in their trespasses and sins, and the only way they can come to life is by a believing faith in Jesus Christ. We, gotta be, we just gotta be honest. Don't be weird. Don't like walk up to your friend in school who you haven't spoken to in a month and go, hey, would you mind if I told you about Jesus? Don't be a weirdo, but take opportunities that the Holy Spirit presents. Ask each other in youth group, hey, who are you witnessing to at school? And if anybody in here is homeschooled and you're like, man, I'm homeschooled, I don't have any friends. They're like, my mom told me she's the only friend I'll ever need. <laughs> go, go find some, go find your context. God sent you, so you have to Go, get out of where you are and go. Look for opportunities. And if you're like, my parents don't let me out of the house, tell them, ask them, pray with them. Like, mom, like, would you pray with me? We, like one of my prayer requests, mom, is that, that I would have an opportunity to share the gospel with unbelievers and that God would place me in a context where I am surrounded by unbelievers where I would be able to then share the gospel with them. And then youth pastors, you're probably going to get a phone call from that parent because they probably weren't expecting them to say that after a weekend at camp. But go. Disciple them. That's the second thing. Step two. Baptize them to bring them into the family of Christ. When someone has accepted Jesus, we baptize them next. That's the next step. It's a step of obedience. It is a symbol that they have been washed clean from their sin. It is a symbol that they have died to themselves and have been raised again to new life. And then once they're baptized, they're part of the family. I tell our students before I baptize them, you are now on team Jesus. 
You put on the t-shirt. You've told our whole church that you are now a part of the family, which means that they're going to care for you like family. It means they're also going to hold you accountable like family. It means they're going to love you well like family. It means if they see you watching some weird movie at the movie theater, they're going to say something like family. They see you driving like a dingbat, they're going to say something like family. They see you acting up a fool, they're going to say something like family. When they see you witnessing at the mall or whatever, they're going to back you up like family. Family. When you guys are baptized into the family of Christ and you go to the same school and you see someone else from your youth group getting their lunch handed to them by a jerk, you are going to back them up like family. Jesus' work was completed and he won and he sent us on a mission. And here's the last part. Here's the last part of the step, and this is the one that, 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 that brings this all, this whole thing together. You're going to teach them to live like Christ. And what does that look like? Well, Tim, I don't even know if I know how to live like Christ. Great. I love that for you. That's why we're here. You're just going to do life with them. You're just going to do life with them. And as you do life with somebody... Difficult things come up. And when difficult things come up, instead of Googling, what should I do when, you're going to go to the word of God and you're going to discover what he has to say about it. Now, the word of God doesn't say things like, thou shalt not use a jewel, right? But what it does say is that your body is a temple of the most high God. And we should treat our body like the temple it is. Like, friend, like a part of my journey was is I, I came to a place where, where I realized that I was, during moments of stress and depression, I was turning to something instead of Christ for, for, for sustenance. And what I was turning to was sugar in the form of soda. I was drinking a couple of gallons, I think, a day at my peak. And any time something got stressful in the church office, I would walk the block up the street to Wawa, I would get two one-liter sodas for $6, and I would come back to my office, and I would chug one, and I would nurse the other one until it was empty. And then I started doing this thing, because my wife hated that I drink, drank soda, I started doing this thing where um, I would go into Wawa, and I would buy $25 of gas for my car, and then I would add a soda to it so that the number amount would look a little bit different, like it looked like the pump just ended when the tank filled. So when my wife looked at our bank statement, she wouldn't see that I was buying soda. It was really bad. I started buying extra soda for youth events so that I knew there would be some left in the church fridge afterwards. And I had to come to a place where I gave that up. And like, you do that with people. Hey dude, like, you have a temple and you're not treating it good. How can we get you to a place where you're treating that temple like the temple should be treated? Or, hey, man, I see you, like, you, you, you and your girlfriend are kind of gross at school, dude. Like, always, like, touching on each other and making out. Like, that is not how you treat the temple of God, bro. Like, that's someone's wife, dude. Or, or hey, um, I don't like the way that you let that boy treat you. Don't do that anymore. Do life with them. Do life with them. And, and young person in the room, 
Find someone to disciple you. Ask your youth pastor, your youth leader after this, hey, would you disciple me? Sorry, guys, if you don't have a discipleship plan, you have a whole drive home to figure one out. <laughs> but it's really important, and not even your leader. There are, you know, I had an older gentleman um, this, this, this past uh, month. Um, we have this thing on our, at our church called Pastor on Call, and that's so that the senior pastor doesn't have to take every hospital visit, because we have a larger church. And I was Pastor on Call this, this week, and, and this guy, he, he drove the bus for the city, and he was driving home, and then he blacked out and crashed the bus, and he doesn't even remember what happened. And, 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 and so I went and visited him in hospital, and he was a mess, and, and thank God everything was okay. All the tests came back clean, but he's not able to drive the bus anymore. He had to retire from that, and he was older, so, you know, whatever. And, and I was talking to him about church when he came after that whole ordeal. I'm like, hey, man, you doing good? And he's like, I just don't know what to do with my life anymore. Like, I, I used to be a bus driver. Now I don't work. I, like, I don't, I, I, I'm suddenly retired, and I don't know what to do. There are older people in your church who love Jesus desperately and are looking for what their next phase in life is, and oh, my goodness, would they be blessed if you asked them to disciple you? And man, have they got wisdom. They got wisdom about marriage because they've been married for 52 years. They got wisdom about work because they've been working for 48 years. They got wisdom about money because they figured out how to make their money last until they are now. They've got wisdom about all kinds of stuff. You know how blessed an old dude that loves fishing would be if you went and said, hey, would you mind taking me fishing? My grandmother is in, in her late 70s, and I asked, she bought a pizza oven on a whim. She does weird stuff like that. And I really like making pizza from scratch. I make my own dough, and, 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 um, and, and the craft of bread making is something I really got into. And so I'm like, hey, Grandma, would you mind if I made some dough and came over and made pizza with you? And, and um, I, I did, and I, I came over, and, and we were, I was making pizza in the kitchen, and she was playing with my kids in the other room and talking to Liz, and, and I noticed that her planner was out. And she's not, she, she keeps pretty busy for being in her late 70s, but what I noticed was is on her planner, it was empty. And then on Friday night at 6 p.m., it said dinner with Tim. And she, that was special for her. And oh my goodness, has she been a discipler for me in ways I don't even understand. It's important for, like, it's important that we do that and we seek wisdom from the older people. There's actually a passage that tells old people to disciple you. So help them be obedient to God. Be discipled. I have one. I meet with a guy once a week. And then when you are discipled and being discipled, then you go and replicate yourself in somebody else. I'm just a high school student. I don't care. Find a middle schooler. Find a middle schooler who just met Jesus. Start reading scripture with him. When they have a crazy question you can't answer, say, I love that. I'm texting pastor so-and-so. We're going to figure this out together. Call them out on their junk. Encourage them when they're sad. When you get your driver's license and you have permission from your parents and their parents to do this, when you haven't seen them in two weeks, drive to their house at 6 o'clock and hold your horn down until they come out to come to church with you at 6.30. Horns are cheap. Their soul isn't. This is our mission. This is what we do. This is what it means to be a Christian who is living the redeemed, restored life. We have been brought out of death and into life 
And the life more abundant that Jesus spoke about is a life in total sacrifice and service to him. And he has asked us to serve him in such a capacity that more believers would be added. Let us fill heaven instead of filling our lives with useless time wasters. We can do this. You can do this. What would our youth groups look like if each one of us wants someone to Christ? In fact, are you ready for something crazy? We all as youth leaders know that numbers aren't important, but they are kind of important because we want to see that what we're doing is working, right? It's this weird tension that we have to balance. Let's add a new metric this year. How many people in our youth ministry came to Christ because a young person led them to Christ? And then don't kill yourselves. Start that goal as one. Because then that's super easy to double. And this is the last thing I want to leave you with. Hold fast. The end of this passage, if you look at the text, Jesus says something really interesting. He says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is with us as we do this. Jesus is with us when we ask our coach to leave practice five minutes early. Jesus is with us when we do small group instead of studying for the big test the next day. Jesus is with us when we are sharing our faith with the angry kid from school. Jesus is with us when we stand up for our friend that we see being bullied. Jesus is with us as we disciple the middle schooler who smells really bad. Jesus is with us when we're a middle schooler and we are with a high schooler that should have learned to bathe when they were our age. We are, Jesus is with us. Youth leaders, youth pastors, Jesus is with us when we are talking to the crazy parent on the phone. Jesus is with us when we are exhausted and we feel like our marriage is falling apart. Jesus is with us when we are tired. Jesus is with us when we are scared. Jesus is with us. Jesus is with us. Jesus is with us. When? Until? Until the end of the age. Until he comes back and takes us all home to glory for eternity. Jesus is with us. So with that knowledge... We need to hold fast. There's a movie, Master and Commander. I don't know if you should watch it because I don't remember if there's anything dirty in it, but it was there, okay? Halfway through the movie, this old guy with his, his tongue had been cut out for some reason. They never tell you. They just like, his tongue's out, and you're supposed to just be okay with that. Right before a battle or a storm or something, I don't even remember, he had on his, on his hands tattooed H-O-L-D-F-A-S-T. And like back in the day, like 12-year-olds were in the British Navy. So this little kid, doesn't even know how to tie his shoes, looks at this old guy for like some kind of comfort. He's like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to die. And the old man just goes, mm. he doesn't have any teeth because it's the British Navy in like the 1600s. He goes, mm. and he holds on to the side of the ship. And you see like the camera gets his knuckles, hold fast. He was telling that kid, no matter what, just hold on to a rope and you'll be good. Listen, no matter what, if you hold on to your foundation of believing in Jesus, the decision you made, not the emotion you felt, the decision you made, because emotions are deceitful, our heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, who can understand it? The decision you made to follow Christ, if you hold on to that and you grit your teeth, you're like, God, this is hard, but I love you and I know you're here, then you will be fine. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing the name in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. We love you. God, give us a fire in our stomachs that we can't help but share your word. We can't wait to see what you're going to do for the rest of the year. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.